Pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog. Joining me in our Waikato studio, I have Darren Rowe, Mindfulness for Dogs. Good morning to you, Darren. Good morning, Mel. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, we're talking enrichment. Uh, we're obviously taking questions too. 0800 844 747 3920. That's the text if you want to get into Darren. I suggest you do it early because what usually happens is we get a big rush on uh, at about 25 past and we can't get them all answered. But we're going to start off by talking about enrichment for your dog's life. Yeah. I mean, when you sent me this, I said, what exactly is enrichment? What's the fuss about? <laughs> well, it's one of those things, isn't it? That people say, oh, you must enrich your dog's life. Well, you must enrich everyone's life, aren't you? Um, but people don't they think oh, I'll just take a dog for a walk and that's enriching that's enrichment which which it is in a certain way but um it's not very stimulating is it so so if you think about a dog um pretty much we control every aspect of our every aspect of our dog's lives cats get a bit more freedom don't they but with a dog we we tell them when they wake up we tell them when to eat we tell them what to eat we tell them how long they can eat for um, gosh, we, we put them in a kennel all day probably and we tell them what they've got to do in there or we don't give them anything to do in there. Um, tell them when to go for a walk, when to feed again and then when to go to sleep. So pretty much every aspect of our dog's life are controlled and quite. Um, I think the, the Dog Act um, tells us that we have those responsibilities that we have to do for the dog. So we, it's all about control when it comes to dogs. But we don't really think about how that affects the dog. If you, if you if every day, and, and I think most people actually do this, to be honest, but if every day your life was the same, you got up, you did exactly the same thing, you went to work and did exactly the same thing, you saw exactly the same people, you get pretty dull. Mm. And um, life gets... But it's a bit like lockdown, isn't it? It's really so you, 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 you're pretty much describing my life right now. <laughs> and the problem is that can lead to all sorts of behavioural issues, and particularly in dogs, but also in people. And we get depressed, and, and dogs do suffer from depression, guys. Okay, if, if their life is so boring, they get they suffer from depression. So enrichment really is about giving them the opportunity to do something different, to see the world in a different way, and and stimulate them in in a way that they wouldn't normally get stimulated. And that's really what enrichment's all about. Wow, okay. So that's not something that we often don't think about. You're right, because we look at controlling our dogs and we look at, you know, they fit into our lives rather than us fitting into our dogs' lives. Exactly, yeah. And and it's quite um it's quite a serious issue because I would say most or a fair majority of behavioural issues I see are just down to boredom um, and they're normally the destructive ones that people don't really want in their house so that's how dogs end up being home uh, being indoor dogs and then suddenly they become outdoor dogs because they've destroyed the place and they're just pretty much bored but um, if you think about the house the house is really cool isn't it because there's so many enriching things to do you can like snuff all your way through the cupboards and food you can go into the um, bedrooms and find all those smelly socks and, <laughs> and eat those which is not a good thing for most dogs but yeah, it's not just enriching. the socks that they like to eat when they're left around too um that's Very for sure is it is it something that there's much research being done into um there, there is actually um there's a, a lot more research out there um than we think and obviously with science we've, we've got to make sure that we sort of analyze it critically to make sure it's actually saying the right things and there's some wild wild sort of quotes out there but there was a really good book that i um picked up um on on kindle um recently actually and it's called beyond squeaky toys and it's a um an author called, uh, I'll try and get her name right, so it's Nicole Nicasio Hicksey and Cynthia Mitchell and uh, Corey Hinsky. And, and it's a really good little book because it 
just highlights all the sort of things that you should be doing with your dog. And some of these things we're naturally doing, but when we, like, like most things, we do them, but we don't really put a lot of thought into them. But when we become aware of it, we can actually start to, to change things and make them a little bit more stimulating for our dogs. And, and what it does is actually promotes our dog's learning and, um, and just gives them a happier, optimistic outlook on life rather than the pessimistic one, I guess. Mm, okay, so let's break it down. Let's yeah. break this enrichment down. Right, so um, what what this um, book says, what Nicole does, is she breaks it down into six different areas. So we've got social enrichment, we've got cognitive, so that's learning enrichment, we've got physical environment, also physical enrichment, sensory enrichment, feeding, and then toys. And primarily what we always think of is that toy one and that feeding. Um, if you go online and you search, you search for dog enrichment, there'll always be hundreds of different ways of feeding your dog. Um, but there's a lot more to it than just that. So let's start with the social enrichment then. Yeah, so so um, social one is the easiest one, I guess, um, unless you're in lockdown, it's a little bit harder. Um, but that's just stimulating your dog when they go outside. So social means to interact with people, interact with dogs, interact with other animals. So looking at different ways, if you think about what we normally do with a dog, we, we come home, we've had a really bad day at work or, or a good day at work, we get the dog on the lead and we walk the same boring walk, the same little track around wherever we live every day. Now, to a dog that's quite dull and often we don't let the dog sniff around because that's pulling on the lead um so for a dog that's not really very exciting not very enriching so so i what i tend to do um when i've got clients is we you could do a, a three plan a three day plan <clears throat> so pick three different places that you want to go and walk and it might be getting your dog in a car and then going to walk in a different area but pick those three different places and the first one should be pretty calm um the second one should be slightly more distracting and slightly more interesting and then the third one should be a real challenge for the dog and you can start to um, build up their tolerance of those things, yeah? And then what you do is the next three days is you do that the other way around, but you do the walk the other way around as well. So start at the beginning and start at the end and finish at the beginning, if that makes sense. And it'll be a totally different walk for your dog. So the whole week, your dog's had a completely new experience. Very enriching for the dog. Oh, I never really thought about that. <laughs> Just something different, isn't it? And let them sniff in different places. So um, uh, there might be a whole area where there's loads of trees where lots of dogs go. One day I might let them sniff there, the next day I might not. I might let them sniff around the, the cat grass. There's always a, an area in New Zealand where you've got the, the different um, plants where all the cats go. That's a really stimulating place. Around um, garages they tend to put those things and those of the cats go there. Um, yep. So how long should you let your dog sniff for too when you're out walking? Uh, <clears throat> Oh, gosh, um, there's lots of different thoughts on that one, I guess. Um, if you're doing, if you're trying to do controlled walking, then obviously you want the dog to be walking with you so there's no sniffing at all. But I tend to do, I tend to mix my walk up. So I'll let, I'll make my dog sort of walk, make my dog, I'll ask my dog to walk to heel for maybe a couple of minutes, particularly if I'm walking through town and stuff like that. And then I'll just let them on a looser lead. They can sniff for 10 minutes. Um, and then they'll come back and they'll walk nicely. So, so I'm not too fussed about that. The only thing I don't want is my dog suddenly launching themselves off to the left and twisting my back and stuff like that. So it's got to be a bit of control and a bit of loose lead uh, training there. But um, there's no problems in sniffing. Um, at the end of the day, the dogs, that's their primary sense, isn't it? So that's probably the most um, enriching thing mm. they can ever do. So for their social enrichment, you can walk them different directions. Uh, so that's yeah. one thing we can do. Yeah, expose them to different places, like go to the shopping uh, mall. Um, so a great one is going down to, we've got in, in Rotatuna, North Hamilton, there's a, there's a great shopping centre and you can walk around there. There's all the smells coming out of the shops, um, hundreds of different people. You've got the cars, as long as your dog is a sociable dog. And, and if you're not, if they're not, then you need to do some socialisation with that dog anyway and desensitisation. But um, 
as long as they can cope with that sort of thing, you're not putting them in a too stressful position, their confidence levels are high, um, that's a really good um, enrichment environment because it gets, gets to see new things. Obviously, you should be doing that with puppies anyway. But um, mm. And then this is the one I really like the most is um, bringing your dog to work. <laughs> we definitely have that here well, when people are actually in the office. That I think it's a Friday. Everyone's allowed to bring mm. their dogs in. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. Um, again, as long as your dog can cope with it and you're not going to get the dog in trouble if it's going to do anything silly, but it's just totally different environments that your dog has. Because if you think otherwise, all they see is the you know, four walls of your house and the kennel and that's it. Um, it's a pretty dull life, isn't it, really? Mm. Mm. <laughs> it just made me giggle because I remembered uh, my last workplace, they once had the bring your dog to work day and one of the dogs did a very big poo underneath somebody's desk but it wasn't <laughs> discovered until, I think this was on the Friday, until the Monday morning when that oh, person yeah. sat down at their desk and put their foot in it. Did, oh no. Didn't go down a treat, shall <laughs> no, we say. Didn't, didn't go down a treat. That's the only problem, isn't it? You need to be house trained. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Uh, so that's a bit of social enrichment. What kind of, uh, I mean, doing this for your dog, will you notice any changes in your dog's behaviour? Yeah, definitely. Um, what you find is your dog becomes uh, way more optimistic um, and, and that's seen by the dog sort of taking on new things much easier um, and, and just generally being happy. You'll get those, you'll get that sort of like relaxed jaw with a tongue hanging out and those are nice wide eyes and, and the ears nice and flappy when they see you. Um, so you definitely do see a difference in your dog. Um, you get less barking. Um, you'll get less sort of silly behaviours than charging at fences, that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Ridiculous stuff. Yeah. If you've got a question about your dog or your dog's behaviour for Darren Rowe, 0800 844 747 is the number. 3920 is the text. Relax and unwind, but stay informed. It's the Sunday Cafe with Mel Homer on Magic Talk. Darren Rowe is with me in our Hamilton studios. 0800 844 747. If you've got a question about your dog's behaviour, 3920 is the text. And we're talking in the meantime about providing enrichment for your dog's life and why that is so important. So we've gone through the social enrichment, taking your dog different places and walking them different directions. But what is the next step in enriching your dog's life? Yeah, so the one that most people sort of concentrate on is that cognitive, that learning enrichment. So we do training, we go to classes and stuff like that. But you can do some sort of fun little games, and we did a whole section, I think, a couple of um, about a month ago now, I think it was, where we did about dog tricks, teaching you dog tricks and why that was important. So that whole sort of thing falls into the enrichment thing, teaching them to, to pick the treat from the hand. Um, we did a, a set of videos, I think it was last lockdown, with little ginger, um, bless her little cotton socks, and um, we had uh, two little... Um, cups and we put a treat underneath them and we got her to choose the cups so you can do all those kind of like games where the dog has to think a little bit think outside the box make the right choices um all those kind of things where the dog has to choose the behavior um it's going to enrich their life it's going to start stimulating those neurons and those brain cells can you do that with young older dogs as well or just young dogs Definitely, and there's a lot of research out there to say that the more you stimulate them in a <clears throat> in a problem-solving way, um, the the younger the brain becomes, and it's exactly the same for people. Most most of the research for dogs is uh, either come from people or vice versa. So. Like do a doggy crossword, essentially. Yeah, Sudoku for dogs, that'd be cool. Mm. Sudogo. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to market that. There's got to be a market for it. a doggo. You're absolutely get a tra- right. Get a trademark. <laughs> absolutely. You heard it here first. So, so you don't need to spend a lot of money on it, do you? You can actually do no, things don't. yourself. Yes. 
so so we actually made um quite a few little games um out and i say if you go onto the youtube um i think i've got that uh um gingers board and busters i think i called it so um you can have a look in there but you can just um just hide things so it kind of like leads on to the physical environment as well so enrichment so so one of the one of the most in, um probably the, the cheapest things you can ever do is just to get lots of treats and toys and bury them in the ground um we tend to use a sand pit um and you can buy those um you know the 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 swimming pool, little tiny swimming pool. Yes, you can get those little clamshell ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we bury them in the ground and we fill them with sand and things like that and then we bury lots of toys and lots of treats and lots of smelly things in there. I wouldn't go for the raw food stuff because that does tend to sort of get rotten and then you end up causing your dog all sorts of problems. But um, all the other smelly stuff, you can bury that in there, um, make it, put it into things that are quite hard. I saw a really good one where there's lots of Tupperware tubs and the dogs have to open the Tupperware tubs to get the food out, which was quite cool. Really, your imagination. Be, be as creative as you can, because your dog's got the... You know, your dog is clever enough to work it out, and we underestimate our dog's intelligences so much. We really do. You're making me feel like I let my um, 10-year-old dog live a very boring life. Oh, look, we do, we do the best we do, don't we? So, and, and at the end of the day, they will find ways to, to keep themselves interested. It's just not necessarily the things that we want them to do. Yeah, I've just got to do more. Okay, we've got a couple yeah. of texts come in. Uh, first up, one from Kevin saying, now I know why farm dogs are so happy. Huge range of different oh, environments. Yeah, so totally. thanks for that. And it's a perfect life, isn't it? They, they get out and they do exactly what they're meant to do. They, they exercise their predator prey drive and then they sleep. Brilliant mm. life. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Alex has a question. Says, why do dogs not like to show pain? Um, I don't think it's so much they don't like to show pain. I just think we don't understand the signs of pain. So, so I'm actually doing a course on my masters at the moment about um, how we can recognise pain, and and there are some subtle signs like a dog just sitting there and panting. That could actually be a sign of pain, and we think it's just a dog panting. Um, so yeah, so they do they do show it. We just need to educate ourselves to find out what it looks like. Hmm, that's fascinating. I never actually really mm. thought about that either. Yeah. Um, another question from oh, I don't know who the name of this one is. I have a four month old border terrier who seems <coughs> to pee everywhere. Is there any suggestions oh, other months. than taking her outside often? Yeah, so so you just need to go back to that puppy training thing, and we need you need a crate. That's the, probably the most efficient way to to teach toilet training is crating. So there's a whole. I mean, you can go online and find it, but you basically put your dog in the crate, um, and then you take them out to go to the toilet. If they don't, then you bring them back in the crate, put the, close the door, leave them in there for five minutes, take them back out, and you literally train them to control that that bladder, um, and that's really all it is. It's just it's just management taking them out watching them if they fall asleep she's still very young 16 weeks so i wouldn't expect her to be perfect by now anyway um it can take a bit of time but it's just if they if they wake up they need to pee if they have a drink they need to pee if they had some food they need to pee if just like babies right <laughs> if they um play they're going to need to pee so take them out it's down to you really i mean as far as the dog's concerned there's you know why should a dog care about whether they're peeing indoors or outdoors to them or just peeing yeah, fair enough. No for them. <laughs> fair enough. Oh, 800 is the number if you have a d- question about your dog, your dog's behaviour that you'd like to put to Darren Rowe. And you can text as well, 3920. And we have Bridget on the line. Oh, hang on. I just Morning to you, Bridget. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning. Hi. Listen, I've just got a question. Um, we moved house about three months ago. We've got uh, two Labradors. Uh, one's nine years old and one's a year old. They live outside. They get exercise every day. And we've got a little wee uh, Bichon poodle who lives inside. But the house we've moved to, um, it's a two-storey house. 
and we let um, we've just started letting the the old Labrador, the nine-year-old, up on the deck outside because he loves to come and see us. Yeah. Um, and he started piddling on the deck. How can I stop him piddling? Oh, that's an interesting one. So, so the deck is on the second floor, is it? Or Yes, yeah, and our yeah. main living is on the second floor. So he comes up, sits down, that's fine, and when we're not looking, he goes and piddles on anything he can yeah, to that... put his mark there. Is, uh, okay, so he's male. So, so there might be that yeah. he's marking. It's a new home, so potentially that you know he's got to sort of put his mark on his territory. I guess if you want to look at it like that. But um, I, I might be sort of looking at nine Labradors. What's his hips like? Oh, he, yeah, he's getting a bit of arthritis. Yeah. So, and have you got a staircase going up to the second floor? Yes. Yeah. So, so it might just be that he just you know it's just too much to get down those stairs to go to the toilet. So the obvious place will be to go out on the deck. That's, that's what I would probably ah, say. Yeah, we're building a new deck um, in the next couple of weeks, and I just don't want them piddling on the new deck. Yeah, <clears throat> but I would probably say that's what it is. I mean, if you if you were, he's what, about 108, isn't he, in, in uh, human worlds or something like that. So um, if you were to say that you were living on the second floor and then you had to climb this fleet of 24 steps or whatever it is to go down to the toilet, you'd probably just pee on your chair. <laughs> Fair enough. So it, might, it might just Fair be something enough. like that. Yeah, it might just be as simple, yeah. as simple as that. Perhaps you could get one of those. Um, I've seen them in um, a couple of the um, shops, like um, warehouse and trade, uh, um, Kmart and stuff like that. You get like a, like a, um, it's like a box and it's got artificial grass and to train puppies to pee on it. Maybe you could look at something like that or give him an area to go and pee in. So put like a planter down, something like that, so he can actually go oh. there. Mm. Maybe an idea. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for your call, no Bridget, and best of luck with that. Because, yeah, you don't want your dog peeing on the on the new deck. But you're right, no. 108, <coughs> you would just go no. in your seat, wouldn't you? That's right. It's Rather not, it's than have to been. go down the seat. Or you just, yeah, exactly. That yeah, makes sense. It would sense. be really painful. And also at that age, you probably can't actually, um, they can't gauge the steps, the distances. So they'd probably fall down the stairs. I can't gauge steps yeah. right now at my age either. Oh eight hundred eight four four seven four seven is the number to call if you've got a question about your dog. Three nine two hours a text. So we've talked about cognitive enrichment, social enrichment. Let's move on to physical enrichment. Yeah. So so um, talked about the the sandpit area to to get them to dig and things like that. Um, we put sort of um, I'm in the process actually of renovating our dogs at back areas. So we're, we're putting some runs in once we get our fencer in. And I'm going to build some big mounds of mud and put tunnels underneath and things like that so they can climb and then go under the tunnels. All those kind of physical things where they can actually do something a bit different, like the old do- doggy den. Um, those kind of things. <clears throat> um, really, again, it's just down to your imagination. Um, I saw on YouTube there's some great things. There. If you've got kids, you can build a, a a sort of fort, you know, with blankets and stuff and get your dogs to run around in that. It's quite fun, quite stimulating when they touch the blankets as well. Um, Just use your imagination with a physical environment, really. Um, And it kind of links in with a sensory one. So um, we put lavender. Lavender's a really nice smell. Dogs like that. It calms them down, apparently. Um, And we put lavender all around the dog's kennels and and in there. And Fred, our big Irish setter, every, every morning he'll go and put his head in a lavender and sort of wiggle it around and gets a really nice sensory overload, I guess. So that's quite cool. Um, but the other thing is mint and cinnamon apparently aren't dangerous for dogs, and I've not checked that. So please, somebody go and do a bit of research to check on that one, but apparently they're not toxic. There are some sort of herbs that are quite toxic to dogs, so you do need to do your research around that. Um, but anything that the dog smells, <clears throat> because that's where they have most of their sort of sensory cells in the nose that are, ten, you know, I think it's about a billion times more sensitive than us, um, are really good. Bubbles, um, you must have seen in the doggy daycares where they have bubbles. 
Yes. And they um, throw bubbles. You can get all sorts of um, meaty-flavoured bubbles if you... <laughs> marked bacon-flavoured bubble mm, and things like that. Delicious. But dogs, yeah, but the dogs love it because when they pop, then they get that sort of fizzle sensation, and that's quite cool for the dogs as well. Um, just even water. As long as um, just like a tap, one of our dogs is quite obsessed with the tap. Got to be a little bit careful that you're not ending up with a, an OCD dog that gets a bit of a um, behavioural problem with taps and tries to attack them. So you're always looking to see if they're scared or whether they're just enjoying it, obviously. Um, check that, see if the ears pop back and tail goes under, that kind of stuff. Um, the other one I saw um, in this book was about wind chimes. Now, um, I think they're a great idea, having those sort of wind chimes, those noises, the stimulate dog, because obviously their ears are really good as well. But just a little bit of a warning when you're thinking about putting wind chimes, make sure your dog's desensitised to them so they don't get scared of them, because they may not necessarily be able to place where the sound's coming from. Right, or also make sure that your neighbours are desensitised to them because they can be quite a nightmare too. My neighbour's got a wind trump, drives me crazy. That's right, Uh, 0800 844 747 is the number. We have Martin on the line. Morning to you, Martin. Good morning, Martin. Oh, how are you, uh, Mel? Good. Hey, I thought I'd ring up and ask the dog whisperer question. Go for it. There you go, mate. Hey, my mum's got a border collie, and every time I go around there, it bark, 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 follows me in the house, bark, 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 right up and... And sit down in the chair in the lounge with none in the couch and bark, bark, bark. And it constantly wants me to pat, to pat it. Oh, it sounds like a spoiled water collie. Constantly. I've got a few of those. Yeah, what home. do I do to stop it? Um, first of all, um, I, I posted something on Facebook about um, border collies and, and there's somebody, I reshared it, and it was about border collies being the dictators of the dogs that drive you absolutely insane and then suddenly when you're at your tether's end they become the most idyllic, lovely little dogs. And I think that yeah. sums up border collies completely. Um, it sounds like she's got a, is it a little girl, is it, or boy? Boy. Boy. Sounds like he's a bit of, um, got a bit of resource guarding there. It depends on the bark, obviously. If the bark is quite low and guttural, then he's probably. No, it's loud, mate, loud and yeah. high pitched. High pitched, yeah. total excitement and yeah. complete excitement. So so he yeah. just loves you, mate. He just really, really loves you. The only way to get around that. The only way to get around that. Sorry? Sorry? Yeah. No, you so The only way to get around that would be to um, kind of ignore them as you come in, which is probably what you're doing. But if he. he it sounds like he really likes you, so he's going to get even worse. Weird, mate. Yeah, it sounds weird. like it. So, so what I would do is I would find a toy that he likes, like a ball or something, yeah. and every time he sees yeah. you, I'd start to associate something that's really positive and, and motivational for him. So as soon as you're coming, say, get it, get it, and then throw the ball for him. And then you'll redirect okay. all, that, all that nervous energy, all that excitement energy into something that's really beneficial, and he'll bring that back, and then you've got a choice whether you're going to pick the ball up and throw it again. You might get a bit of barking because you're not picking it up, but that's... You know, that's just one of those things. But make turn it into a game, turn it into something positive. Um, it's nice that Border Collie likes you because um, the alternative of him growling to try and eat you isn't good. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Martin. Uh, we've got time for one more call before we head to the news. Sandra, morning. You're on with Darren. Morning. Morning, Sandra. Just wanted to ask about my puppy. She's five months old. Yeah. She's Border Collie crossed with Labrador and a little bit of a beardy. Um, so okay. there's been just two <clears throat> things with her. One is that she still gets car sick and will she outgrow this? And what can help that? I Googled after she really threw up yesterday. It's not every single time. Um, One of the suggestions was to give her a uh, jelly bean. Like, okay, thanks, Google. Um, And I just wondered if, (laughs) yeah, I just wondered if there's something I can do. We'd actually not gone far and we'd stopped and we'd been sitting in the car for a while. 
and I didn't realise that maybe she was feeling a bit unwell because we had been sitting for a while in the car, but it wasn't mm. hot. And then we just started to leave and she just threw up then. Yeah. And I thought, is this an actual thing or is it she just doesn't like the car and it makes her throw up just being in it? I think there's a couple of things that you want to look at. Um, first of all, quite a lot of dogs at that age will suffer from the inner ear problems. They're still Their inner ears are still sorting out and they might have a, an infection there. Um, but oh yeah, um, our setters and our border collies. Um, one of them was absolutely fine, and the other one was was a nightmare and puked up and everything for about a year. And it was a problem with the with their ear, so it might be worth checking out. And of course, obviously, their ears are quite okay. sensitive. It's not a, a mill collie by any chance, is it? Uh, she's a, a border collie cross. Okay, yeah. Um, so so that's one thing that you might want to check out. Always look for that sort of thing, first of all. But then um, <clears throat> we've got this, once they've done it once and they've had a negative experience about being in a car, then we start to build anxiety up. So really what you've got to yeah. do is start to build that positivity around the car. We, we feed our dogs in the car. If we get a dog like that, we make everything about the car really nice. So so our car um, is always, the, the back door is always open in the summer and the dogs just run in there and sit in there if they want to. It's not always about moving because they just start to build that anxiety. And first of all, it's a little bit unpleasant. And then and they get anxious about it and then it becomes a phobia in the end and that's a really hard one then to to deal with because they just see any car and they get stressed out about it so they're almost making themselves sick before you can get in the car good thing is it's only five months old so in 20 weeks so um i would say we're just at the anxious phase at the moment because something bad's happened mm-hmm. um, also put them in a crate so that they can't be running around and sort of that sort of thing the old crate as well hey sandra thank you so much for your call and that's it we've uh we've run out of time darren it's just so quick doesn't it and by uh thank you so much for your time we should probably finish off the enrichment next week we'll do that when we've got more time next week so thank you so much and if you'd like to get in contact with darren darren wrote mindfulness for dogs check them out on facebook or website as well you've been listening to darren rowe on the mindful dog giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.